the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, um, heading into the weekend, I hope you have a great weekend, everybody. A lot going on. It is um, it is actually my birthday this weekend, so uh, uh, it will be fun. Family's got a few things going on, and we'll see some friends, so uh, that'll be cool. And um, hope you have a great weekend. It should be uh, should be a fun one with lots of you. like basketball, it's a great weekend for basketball, the NCAA tournament. A couple things on that, by the way. My father went to St. Peter's University. It was then called St. Peter's College. It's a Jesuit. Uh, college in Jersey City, New Jersey. He's a graduate of St. Peter's College, he and his buddies. So they were thrilled watching the University of Kentucky St. Peter's College game, and St. Peter's won. Pretty amazing. That's one of the great upsets of uh, of NCAA history. So that's fun. All right. Speaking of NCAA, uh, we have to talk about this. We have to talk about the NCAA swimming championships, the women's so-called women's championships, uh, because there's something really, really wrong uh, with what's happening. I mean, really wrong. And I don't understand how we've gotten to this point. So we'll get to that. And we got a couple of great interviews today on pro-life issues. We're going to speak with Karen Garnett. Karen Garnett uh, is the National Prayer Luncheon for Life Executive Director. And she has an extraordinary story that is doing, I think, what we need to be done, which is bringing people together who care about the same issues instead of um, having a million people in the fields, a uh, million different entities or maybe thousands of different entities, have them still there, but coordinate a little bit more, connected a little bit more. That's a better term. So we'll talk with Karen Garnett, and we'll also talk with Eric Olson. Eric Olson's a longtime friend. He's been on the show before. He works in the oil fields in Montana, and he'll give you a perspective, the American side of the oil fields. He's a small business owner. He's had a couple of uh, oil wells, but he's not um, Exxon. He's not uh, one of the uh, big oil companies. He's an American businessman. And he'll tell you what impact is happening, what inflation's doing. He's a really uh, a very articulate um, speaker on what's happening on the ground. But before we get to that, what you need to know today, um, in the NCAA championships for women's swimming, um, they let a guy compete um, you know the story. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to make him famous um, more than he is uh, or his name he uses as a girl. But he's clearly, when you see him interviewed or see pictures, he's clearly a different, um, you know, he's a guy who's swimming with the girls and he beat everybody. And and the thing that I don't understand is how we got here. What, what you need to know is there's something wrong in this country that we're allowing this to happen. Now, I don't know what we're supposed to do. I know there have been lawsuits, but if you go to the social media, you can see like one one interviewer was saying he he was I think it was a he he or she was talking to a a Virginia Tech swimmer who because um she came in the swimmer came in 17th and only 16 make the finals and she was left out because there was a guy, this guy that won swimming with the girls. I mean, everybody knows it now. In other words, he says he's transgender, uh, and therefore he's allowed to win all the prizes. And he competed as a woman, uh, he competed as a man, normally, a couple years ago. This is actually crazy. 
that were actually allowing this to happen and then broadcasting it. And there were protesters, like a dozen of them. There wasn't a thousand protesting against this. And there were counter protesters saying it's great. And all the people that wanted to object, that actually wanted to say this isn't good, they all had to do it anonymously. Because you can't say that out loud, but you can say, and there's lots of people saying it out loud, this is great, using their name. Think about that. If you disagree on a guy swimming with the girls' teams and winning, you have to do it anonymously because it's not worth the political cost, the small p political cost, or the social cost. That's a better term. You will be attacked, ostracized, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, made to feel diminished if you happen to have the opinion that it shouldn't happen. How do we get here? What is the NCAA doing? How, how did the NCAA, how did they judge this? I mean, wh- why is this happening? And I guess it's been happening for a long time and we've seen, I guess, the Ivy League championships uh, happen. So that happened a few weeks ago. And now this is just the NCAA. So I'm kind of late to it. If we, if we cared, we should have said something, I guess. I mean, somebody could say that. But at this point, there's nothing that's happening here that's not just, it's not just that it's not fair. That's fair is a funny term, right? You can, what's fair for you might not be fair for me. It's hard to judge. But this is immoral. I can make that judgment. I think it's immoral. It's immoral to cheat, right? It's immoral to steal. I think it's immoral for our leaders and our uh, adults to allow uh, uh, men to swim and take away Women's sports, because isn't this the end of women's sports? Now, I know that there's not enough guys who want to go through what would feel very demeaning to have to go and, you know, act and dress or like a transgender to compete. But won't it happen enough that it'll be a factor? What happens if there's a man who wants to compete in basketball and happens to be 6'4 and, a, you know, a great player? Is he going to be allowed to compete in women's basketball? I mean, I think he has to, according to the logic right now. What you need to know is this isn't just crazy. This isn't just crazy. This isn't just silly. This is actually immoral. And we used to be a, 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 a nation that would call out immorality. Even if it happened, we still would call it immoral and we wouldn't make it legal. In other words, you know, you used to be able to, some people would say, oh, well, abortion's now legal. There's nothing wrong. Still immoral. And when it was illegal, it was immoral. And just because there, there were illegal acts of abortion doesn't mean we'd say it was moral. That doesn't change the quality of the act. And you could say, well, who are you to judge what's moral and immoral? We used to be able to get to that. We used to be able to look at it and say, that's right there, that. Stealing, immoral. You know, uh, stealing, immoral. Burglary, immoral. Carjacking, immoral. Uh, Rape, immoral. Murder, immoral. Guys claiming to be women and swimming in in a championship and winning the championship. Actually winning the championship, taking it away from... And where are the feminists? Martina Navratilova got in trouble at one point for saying that she didn't think this was going to work out well or something like that. She didn't even say she was against it. She, I think she said something more, more um, sort of, um, you know, less dramatic, more kind of plain than she was against it. And she was just pillared into silence. I think she actually backtracked. J.K. Rowling... She said she thought, I think, that she, I think she said she thought it wasn't right and, and it was, you know, not, not normal or something. And she got all kinds of protesters. So that people have learned, and I beg take you back to this. People have learned that in a culture, in a nation, where the cost to speaking the truth about morality is high, they just won't do it. It doesn't mean that they don't believe it or know it. They just won't speak about it. 
And that's the self-censorship we've talked about. And once you're into the world of self-censorship where everyone who's interviewed, that's not true. There are a few people that were gave their name, but almost everyone that was interviewed that opposed this did so without giving their name because they didn't want to be attacked. They didn't want to be vilified on social media or identified. Once you get to the point where speaking the truth is too costly, you can bet your bottom dollar that doing the right thing is not going to be done. And so the movement from self-censorship, as I've said, to inaction is really easy. It's a really a short movement. Short movement from self-censorship to inaction. Very short movement. Very, very, not much. You don't have to do much to get there. Because it's the same instinct. It's the same self-preservation. Don't want to have to deal with it. And so the NCAA, if they had said, we're not going to allow this, they would have had the protests. They would have had, they would have been the opposite of when the NCAA said they were going to get and move themselves out of uh, Indianapolis because Indiana had passed uh, a, a religious freedom act that protected, you know, uh, conservatives. And so the NCAA said, we're going to move if they don't change that. It's so, so terrible, so terrible. So, and, and actually, Indiana and Mike Pence at the time, Governor Pence, uh, blinked. But if the NCAA had said, we're not going to allow this guy who says he's a girl to compete, the NCAA would have been put on the hot seat. And, and they would have. You know they would have. The Department of Justice probably would have investigated. The, 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 the universities would have said, we're not going to trust the NCAA to do anything. This is completely out of control. It's not, it's not again, it's not crazy. It's not out of control. Well, it's not only crazy. It's not only out of control. It's just wrong. It's immoral. And that we're watching it happen in public is just stunning. It's absolutely like out of a movie that this is happening. And, oh, what was the, somebody did an interview and they said that the guy who swims as a girl, he was asked his favorite movie and his favorite movie was like, I don't know, some, either a shoot 'em up movie or it wasn't Die Hard. It was something like that though. And it was like, the guy's clearly, he's not even, he's not even sort of, um, I don't know, he's not even pretending. He's just taking all the prizes, taking all the wins. It's a crazy situation. Amazing. Terrible. All right. Please, I'm, I'm, I'm name it. I'm not going to name him, but I'll say I'm against it. I'm totally against it. I think the NCAA is doing a great uh, thing, a great failure, doing a great disservice to the athletes, uh, and it's just a terrible thing. So, okay, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with uh, Karen Garnett about the National Prayer for uh, Prayer Luncheon for Life, the National Prayer Luncheon for Life, as well as Eric Olson. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And, you know, we have been talking uh, a lot. And I know my listeners, we've had some email exchanges and all about the pro-life issues, right? What's happening uh, in the pro-life arena, um, what's happening with different organizations. And so I was I got an email from one of the folks who helps with this program about the National Prayer Luncheon for Life, uh, high impact pro-life grants. And so I looked at this and I said, Tom, you got to tell me more about this. The National Prayer Luncheon for Life, um, March 25th. And uh, in te- first of all, we're going to ask um, uh, our guest to talk to us about this. But the thing about the um, what's happening is Students for Life has been an extraordinary uh, impact, extraordinary, um, has had an extraordinary impact in the last few years, really helpful um, 
approach. And I remember the late Phyllis Schlafly was talking to me about it because Kristen Hawkins was somebody she had met and admired and all, but just an incredible energy. And so our next guest is Karen Garnett, uh, and she's the executive director of the National Prayer Luncheon for Life. And uh, so, Karen, welcome to the program. How are you? Hi, Ed. Thanks so much for having me. Doing great. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. So tell me, first of all, tell me more broadly about the National Prayer Luncheon for Life. Yes, thank you so much. I am the Vice President of Culture for Heroic Media and mm. also serve as the National, I'm sorry, the Executive Director of our National Prayer Luncheon for Life Initiative. And this actually began, gosh, five, no, it's now seven years ago. The uh, The founder of Heroic Media had this idea that we would do a counter luncheon to Planned Parenthood's annual awards luncheon held in Dallas, Texas. We are Texas-based. Mm -hmm. And so the first prayer luncheon for life, it was just called prayer luncheon for life then, was same day, same time, opposite Planned Parenthood's annual um, fundraising luncheon. And we were we were bringing people together to pray, but also to raise funds for Heroic Media's uh, going head-to-head, competing with Planned Parenthood internet ad campaign. So we go head to head against Planned Parenthood every day to reach abortion determined women and, and redirect them to pregnancy help centers that we partner with. Yeah. And so we had 650 people that first year. It, it grew, it was, it grew, it grew. And then in 2020, we actually had 3000 people in person at our, our venue opposite to theirs. They had a thousand. We both outnumbered and outraised them that year, five days before the global pandemic was announced. And then everything changed. The world changed. And um, our our executive VP of marketing COO has an amazing business background, corporate business background. He became CEO of our company uh, in November of 2020. And with us not even knowing if Planned Parenthood was even going to do a, an in-person luncheon, which it turns out they didn't in, in 2021, he was in prayer and, and he told me, he said, Karen, I have a, I just have a new vision for the National Prayer Luncheon for Life. It had become a national event in 2019 when we had partnered with the Unplanned team with Abby right. Johnson yeah. and yeah. everything. It, it had grown again. It was just growing. Um, but he said, I think this is not supposed to be us. It's not about us. It's not about fundraising for us, but we are going to turn this into uh, the event into a, a largely virtual, everything had gone virtual, so much yeah. had gone virtual yep. across the country. And and our our words for National Prayer Luncheon for Life, our mission words are, are that we elevate and celebrate high impact pro-life organizations so that together, working together, we can accelerate winning more battles and ultimately winning the war to protect pre-born human lives from abortion. Hmm. So that was that's the vision. And so last year in 2021, it became a very limited in person, just a couple hundred people in person, but right. thousands virtually. And that is to give the the annual pro-life impact award and now one hundred thousand dollars in pro-life impact grants to hmm. outstanding pro-life organizations that are just doing amazing work. So that's kind of how that's the that's a little bit of the history. Wow. Yeah. So and and uh, we're talking with Karen Garnett. And uh, by the way, nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org is where you can go to find out more. I'll put it up on social media. Um, Karen, uh, this is a funny question, but I know you'll know what I mean. Uh, I think it's a little bit odd. The prayer life, the pro-life community has often been sort of um, 
fragmented is the wrong word. It's just, there's a lot of good people in the, in the, in the fields working. And there's this group over there and that group over there. Planned Parenthood has had, always had the advantage that they sort of, they are, everybody goes through them. I mean, it's not quite true, but you know, that it's, it's, it's a more centralized, at least in terms of finances, this, your, your effort here is interesting to me because it's got a lot of groups coming together. Now that happens when you give away a little money, that's always <laughs> helpful, but it also is, um, it's, uh, you know, that's, that's the impact of what you're doing is pulling everybody together on the same page a little bit. Is that, am I over, I, I want to see that more than I do. So am I, am I overseeing it or is that what you're hoping to do or what's now, your thoughts? You've got it Ed. exactly. That is exactly right. That the word you said fragmented, that is a word that is often used. Another word that is very often used. And again, our movement is beautiful. It is beautiful. And there's so much amazing work going on across the country at the national state and local Local levels, but we typically the movement is siloed. So everyone, right. the organizations are are kind of in their silos doing their thing, and um, and it's it's tough, right? Because Planned Parenthood, like you said, I mean they are they are the behemoth, and and they represent the abortion industry. And mm-hmm. I mean, my goodness, they own not only the fu- the funds that they had, including taxpayer funds. But just the the branding, the marketing, everything else they have they've had a, a you know a stronghold on that. And again, Brett, Brett comes from a corporate marketing background and got his MBA from the Wharton School. He looks at everything from a business lens. He actually, why is he in pro life? Why did he leave corporate? He uh, he he had an abortion experience when he was hmm. young, and before he was a Christian, he became a Christian. He ended up hearing a. Um, a, uh, a commercial on the radio for a healing retreat. He went on that retreat and, and he reconciled with God and his child. Wow. And he offered himself to God and hmm. said, if you want to use my corporate, my business expertise to help even one couple not make the same mistake my girlfriend and I made so many years ago, I'm willing. And God called him in to pro- full-time pro-life after that. And um, so, yeah, he's looking at everything from a business lens. It's, it's all about impact and metrics and results. And, and so when, when we're giving this pro-life impact award and these pro-life impact grants, we are, you know, and we also have, we issue, we publish pro-life magazine four times a year. And the same thing, Brett is the creator and executive editor of pro-life magazine, and that's to profile high impact pro-life organizations, and also just get the word out about them. He is meeting a lot of business people who are, they're very pro-life, but they don't know what to do about being pro-life. And they don't know, they don't know. There's David B. Wright and I talked about this. I've been in the movement since 1989. And, um, we, 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 we guesstimate because again, it's hard. I mean, that our data is not that great in our beautiful movement, but we guesstimate that there's at least 5,000 pro-life organizations across the country all combined. Right. And, and people are, they're like, who are they and what do they do? So that's exactly what, what we're doing here. Hmm. Uh, last year for last year's first year of the new model, we chose the five organizations on the ballot um, to to uh, to uh, allow voting from across the country to give the award and the grants. That was the first year. Right. This right. year for year two, we opened up nominations from across the country back in the fall, and we received seventy nominations. 
of 40 organizations. And it was, it's, a, it's, so, it's just beautiful for us too, because we're, we're, it's open even to local organizations. There may be an amazing local organization that nobody knows about, but they're doing amazing work and, and we can help elevate them and, and give them a grant. So we had uh, nominations opened up to the country in the fall. We prayed over those, selected the six finalists for this year, which I'll name them in, in, in uh, alphabetical order, Embrace Grace, Live Action, right. Pro-Life Action League, Pro-Love Ministries, Support After Abortion, and the Radiance Foundation. And mm-hmm. voting is open all across the country until midnight on March 22nd. It opened on the anniversary of Roe, January 22nd. And I'm telling you, Ed, I mean, the growth even over last year, last year we had about 7,000 participate. This year we have just crossed 12,000 in wow. participation. And and that's still with voting open. And then we'll present everything live um, on Friday, March 25th from 12 to 1 Central Time. Central time. And that happens to also coincide with being the day of the unborn child. Hmm. Uh, we're talking with Karen Garnett, by the way, and, and she is the uh, she is the National Prayer Luncheon for Life Executive director. She's also the VP over at Heroic Media. Heroicmedia.org uh, is the website to check out what they're doing. It's really extraordinary. And then, of course, the website nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org. Um, you know, uh, so the event, oh, one thing, well, quick, look at my notes. Is it virtual this year? Can you see it absolutely. if you're not there? Okay, so oh, absolutely. Not, that, okay, that's, the, that's Brett's vision is everybody, it's going to be once a year. It's a year-round initiative. We have a, we have a weekly podcast show now where we're also um, bringing on guests from high-impact organizations, including all six of these nominated organizations. We just finished our six-week series with them. And, but it culminates with this, what we call Hour of Power, prayer-centric event where pro-lifers from across the country can put it on their calendar, stop what they're doing, join us in prayer for that hour. Not only are we uh, elevating and celebrating these organizations, we, we make the announcements and present them live at the end, but we're led through the hour with amazing prayer leaders. This year, we have Bishop Joseph Strickland from Tyler, Sister Dee Dee Byrne uh, coming in from D.C. We have Reverend Walter Hoy from California, Reverend Samuel Rodriguez, and Kristen Hawkins, who's also going to be speaking and leading in prayer because Students for Life of America actually won. Yeah, that's what right. Last right. year, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's what I was. That's what that's what one of the things that caught my eye because I know, you know, you guys, you all recognize them, and I thought that means they know what they're doing because Students for Life has been extraordinarily successful at growing and being uh, smart. Well, this is really interesting. Uh, I'm really impressed with uh, the vision, and I, I have to say I had heard a little bit about it, but not much. So I'm I'm really uh, uh, Karen. I'm grateful to learn more, and we'll we'll do something before um, maybe before and after again to talk about it. Karen Garnett again. I've got to run, unfortunately. It's, uh, she is the executive director. If you go to nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org, nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org, you can find out more about it, uh, sign up for updates, and also learn. Go to, I'd go to heroicmedia.org, too. That's the group that she works for that does a lot of great stuff, too. So, uh, Karen, thank you for your time, and we'll, we'll stay in, uh, in touch, and we, uh, we wish you blessings on the great event. Thank you so much, Ed. God bless you. Okay. Thank you, everybody. We'll, we'll take a break. Um, be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Well, welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, it's time to check in. My old friend, Eric Olson, who lives out in Montana, he's uh, he's one of the early... Uh, 
proponents of uh, candidate Donald Trump. He was a Tea Party guy, but his whole life has been as a businessman, a small business owner, uh, been involved in oil exploration and uh, and just has a great perspective. And many years ago now, I remember, Eric, you and I and the late Phyllis Schlafly sitting at the Schneidhorst restaurant in uh, St. Louis talking about these issues and uh, and the Keystone Pipeline and all these things. So first of all, Eric, I hope you're doing well. I think you said you're going to have some more folks on the call. So introduce us around and then and then uh, let's talk about what's happening on the ground. Well, I've got two partners in my business are my, my kids, Alan Olson and Jennifer Olson. We're now Olson Energy doing one well work right now. We're the biggest operator for new permits in Montana, numbering one. That's how much <laughs> we, we, we've got to build the business here bad. Uh, does does that? By the way, when they say in the in the Biden White House that there's plenty of permits, it's just people don't want them. What's the what's the reality on that? Is it it's harder to get them to work, right? That what he's talking about is permits on federal lands. Oh, okay. Actually, it's we the we the people lands, but they think they own them and not us. But we've done some work for a client in Wyoming, and it's just a miserable affair to work on federal lands. Oh, I see. It takes you up to a year and $200,000 to even get a permit. And then after that, you only can work on your property six months out of a year because of all the protected species that they're worried about. So it's, it's not fun to start up some on feds and, I see. So, I see. All right. So, Eric, tell me on the ground now, uh, we've seen in the last uh, month, we've seen oil prices go through the roof because of all the international uh, problems. But what's what's happening on the ground? Walk us through the Biden administration. I know, uh, again, before six weeks ago, you would have said hey, you're stymied by regulation. You're stymied by all the rules, all this stuff. But what's happening now? Anything changed? Nothing's changed. There's still too many rules. You know, our governor came in and said he's going to fix that problem in Montana and have less regulations. Well, he, he forgot about the oil business. He's more interested in agriculture. So we huh. still are stymied by a lot of things. DEQ and the uh, Clean Air Act, Water Acts, uh, environmental stuff. But uh, we can at least get a few things done. On the national level, it's just been, you know, two years ago, just at the end of Trump, we start cutting up rigs in in the Rockies because we didn't have a good oil price then at the end of his deal. So we cut up a lot of steel because it's not worth standing up because you got to pay taxes on it. So trying to start up and get going fast is just like anytime they've shut us down. It takes years. People are really hard to get. COVID really shut that down and pushed people out of the workplace and still suffering from that. In fact, our recent well, we had to shut down for two weeks because our roustabout crew had one guy get COVID. So they stayed home for two weeks. So that's a hard way to run a business when you start something and then you got to wait. Um, so there's so, a lot of things like that. Yeah. So, but back up, back up for one second. What people don't realize is if you go too low on the prices, it becomes impossible for the, 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 the smaller business to operate. Right. I mean, at this point, is it safe to say that a big oil is consolidating their power and influence more than ever? Yeah, and, you know, big oil's got the rest of the oil production around the world where they get bigger rates. It doesn't cost them as much on a much on a net basis, where we as the little guy, which really controls most of the oil in America, has to have a stable higher price or we just go through the cycles up and down. And, you know, during the last uh, part of Bush, we were at the highest level of imports we ever had, which is like a trillion dollars a year of money going out of our country to bring oil in. So 
we got to somehow get a price that works and stabilizes the business here. And then we could move ahead and actually help this country and the rest of the world. Do you think we're talking again with Eric Olson, uh, Olson Energy mentioned, uh, do you think that the Middle East, the, the excuse me, the Russia Ukraine fight, um, w- what is that actually doing to uh, the markets and, and what, what happens to American uh, uh, businesses like yours? Well, you've probably heard it. Steel is a major factor coming out of Russia and, and uh, Ukraine. So we're seeing availability of steel products like casing and tubing and such is being almost impossible to get right now. So even to huh. think about starting up, you can't because you, you can't get the steel in this country. And it doesn't just affect us. It's all businesses that need steel. Huh. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, that's exactly all right. Uh, now, I, I remind our listeners, the Keystone Pipeline was not going to solve everybody's problems. Everybody, they made it sound like it on the Republican side, especially, actually. Uh, what's the reality now of the Keystone Pipeline? It's shut down, but it, that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world for you, is it? No, because back when they flooded our market with Canadian crude in the 90s, it dropped our price so low, we had to quit drilling in the northern portion of America. So our concern has always been, as a small oil operator, that they'll flood out some more market and lower our prices in this country where we can't produce, but they'll they'll be able to produce because they're bringing it over in an international arena. Right. But, you know, the status of that pipeline now is it's being dug up in America and, and abandoned. All their pump sites they built are being reclaimed. The pipeline's getting drug out of the ground because they have to pay taxes on it if they leave. So I expect that thing will be dead for years if it even gets resurrected. Huh. Um, uh, now tell me about the politics in Montana, uh, Montana. I think, I think Trump, uh, president, former president Trump was saying that Wyoming was a state that went to Trump more than any other. What, 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 what's on the ground in Montana? What's the politics like uh, anything? Um, uh, I mean, I don't, didn't, go, didn't go for Biden anyway, but I mean, what's the, what's the feeling? We were, we were, we were bright red. In fact, I think we actually were redder than Wyoming because we replaced all our state offices with Republicans, which was on the coattails of Trump. We got the governor in there uh-huh. for the same reason. Uh-huh. So we've got the governor, the state houses all turned red, which helps. You know, it takes a while to get through that mess that's been left for 16 years by the Democrats. Right. But so we're, we're optimistic that we can next legislative session next year we'll get some good rules passed to help business thrive in this state get natural resources back which we need sorely uh no uh you're not you you, you're you're not as uh, high on the governor as others are huh he's not he's not been as uh he didn't do as much as you expected so far at least huh he's uh he's uh he's a rich guy Mm -hmm. and we we just don't see him getting down to the people level, the people that need this job, the education to work at higher wages. He just kind of runs around that elite circle uh-huh. and doesn't do much more than that. So we, we keep pushing him, hoping he'll listen to some of the stuff we throw at him on the Internet. <laughs> is uh, is he a national politician? Is that what his goal? Is he going to be a senator and then run for president or something? What do you think? Well, he's governor, you know. I know. <clears throat> so. We don't know where he's going to go from there. He he was a congressman, but he was kind of a lame deck duck com- congressman. You knew he was working for something else. Right. And he come out of a rich family out of the East, which was tied to a lot of government contracts. So he's, hmm. he's been embedded in that system for a long time. So we're, 
But we do have a legislature that's pretty strong. I think it'll be stronger conservative. I and mean, some of the rhinos are disappearing that we can hold his hand to the fire, you know, and get, get some good stuff done next year. Uh, Eric Olson is our guest and he's also, he's worked for a long time with the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles nationally and worked uh, there in, uh, in Montana. Um, if Roe v. Wade is reversed in the, in the fall, in the summer by the Supreme court, what happens in Montana? Uh, I don't think it'll change much here. I don't think it's that big a deal in Montana. No, you know, the biggest deal we've always had is the economy here. We got to get our economy back. Um, hmm. I couldn't even tell you how many abortions are. I know Planned Parenthood here is here and pushes that, but it, I don't right. think it's as big an issue here as it is nationwide. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I uh, appreciate it very much, Eric Olson. It's an update from Montana. Thank you. And uh, keep us in the loop and good luck with everything. I it says you, you have taught me the market, uh, oil market and the national market, international market affects uh, the small business very differently than it's often portrayed. So we appreciate it very much, Eric. And uh, you bet. Good, good luck with everything. All right. Uh, Eric Olson, everybody out in Montana. Thanks. All right. Thank you. We will put up on uh, social media uh, all of uh, that interview and also some of the other ones with him back in the day. Very interesting. Very interesting to hear the impact uh, at the local level uh, that's going on. So, uh, all right, everybody, we'll take a break. And let me remind you, go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. You can sign up there for the daily email, uh, the wink uh, right there. And you can also get these great interviews and search for them. Post them on social media. Uh, get them out there. Make a big difference to have you uh, uh, making other people aware of what we're up to. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism, and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The dough-faced opponents of Trump, such as Representative John Katko of New York, can't hide behind their facade any longer. Despite winning office by presenting himself as a tough prosecutor on a mission, Katko admittedly spent the afternoon of January 6th holed up inside his office with the lights turned off in fear of unarmed Trump-supporting Americans. It's no wonder Katko announced that he will not seek re-election in November of 2022. His false front is shattered now and forever. The American people have seen him for the swamp creature he is. Never Trumpers should not have been frightened by the likes of the recently sentenced woman who entered the Capitol with her 14-year-old child. One and allegedly a second unarmed pro-Trump woman were killed there by Capitol Police, but there's been no justice for them. Liberal Republicans expressed unjustified fear about comments made by Trump on January 6th, while House conservatives declared that they wanted to listen and learn from what Trump would say. At a rally in Arizona, Trump delivered those comments and they were spot on. Trump observed that it's a disgrace to our country that politicians are resorting to Stalinist show trials against those who participated in the January 6th rally. He remarked that witnesses brought before the sham House Investigatory Committee say they've never been treated so horribly. The House committee is perpetrating the unprecedented assault on civil liberties and engaging in a blatant abuse of power to harass their political opponents. Trump rightly pointed out that it's never happened to this extent to misuse the powers of government to persecute political opponents as the House Democrats are doing now. Social justice, racial justice, and climate justice have all become really trendy fads for the left. But what about good old-fashioned liberty and justice for all? 
Can't we at least have legitimate impartial inquiries into such things as the killing of Ashley Babbitt? Political posturing has no place in the judicial system. Our founders envisioned something greater for us. Let us strive to achieve their noble vision by seeking true justice for all Americans. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, I, I talked earlier in the week with Michael Volpe, and I got some emails about that uh, issue. I've had him in the past. When he's on, people react to it. And on this topic, Michael, was not uh, not as directly up the alley where you've written a lot on, which is on the, the system, the court system being abusive to, to families and, and to individuals. But uh, I, 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 here's what I want to ask you. I like to do this in this last segment. Where can people go? To find out more about these issues you're referring to, I know you have a Substack, MichaelVolpe.substack.com. But if you're if you're in your own home community and you're listening to this and you say I'm in San Diego County, I want to find out more about how what's happening here, or I'm in a situation where I'm uh, beleaguered by the court system or whatever. Where do you recommend people? You probably get that question a lot. Right. Where do you go to complain? There's there's a lot of different places. Uh, the the federal government has some place. The state government, I've actually spoken at multiple different, um, at multiple different, uh, like county board meetings and, and the county board, they actually have an outsized influence over the child protective services or wh- whatever is the equivalent. Right. Um, there's a lot of different politicians, a lot of different politicians you could, you could speak to. There are a lot of like, like nonprofit groups that support uh, I don't, I can't think of any off the top of my head that I necessarily recommend. Yep. Uh, and if I recommended one and, and they weren't in yeah, yeah. <laughs> myself in trouble, but right. the, the, I, what I have seen is over the last five years, the litigants and other activists has formed a lot of different groups. Right. There's, there, there is a lot of support if you look out there. Uh, I don't well, and one, and, and, and one way I'd say it, Michael, is as long as you and I've known each other and you've been on the show years now, um, it, the community has grown. People mm-hmm. that are frustrated, you may feel alone. You may be saying, hey, I got a system that's against me um, and, and it's really abusing what my family is or my, uh, you're not alone. And, and whether it's um, nonprofit groups or whether it's, uh, you know, advocacy groups, whether it's lawyers in public interest situations, whatever it is, uh, there's a lot out there. It's, it's, uh, my point is don't feel alone. And, and there's, there's places and people that care about this. Right. And, and I should mention guardianship is so similar. It's just that it primarily targets the elderly. Uh, Britney Spears is an example that it's not always the elderly. Right. Uh, but you're also not alone if your parents or, or one of your loved ones was snatched and they do snatch them uh, and placed in a guardianship. And suddenly now you can't talk to them and somebody is running their lives. Don't think that this is only happening to you. And there's a lot of different groups that help as well. The other thing that a lot of people do is what's called court watch, which is a lot easier now that every a lot of court uh, hearings are virtual, meaning you either go or you watch on your computer the, the court hearings. Uh, and there's a lot of controversial cases and people 
uh, organize these, I don't know if court watching party is the right, right word, but they try to organize for court watchers. And that really helps mm-hmm. because if a judge, you know, if, if the judge is doing it virtually and he sees 20 or she sees like 15, 20 people they don't recognize and they're thinking about doing something corrupt, I, it'll make them yeah. think very yeah. hard yeah. whether they Change, want to do it. Changes behavior. Yeah. yeah, good. That's good advice, Michael. Anyway, great to, thanks for coming on earlier in the week and, uh, and we will have you back on. It's Michael Volpe, everybody. Michael Volpe investigates his Substack as michaelvolpe.substack.com. Uh, we got to run, everybody. Have a great weekend. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Uh, we will be back next week. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.